Back up, please. Hello and welcome to the 45th episode of Busy Nation Dhando Takoro Kro. This is Ritika with my friend Abhishek. Hello, everybody. It's a bright sunny day outside in Mumbai, and I understand it's very cloudy out there in the US. I'm sorry, Australia. You are currently put up in Melbourne, aren't you? Yes, and it's quite gloomy and depressing outside. So if my energy level is low, then please don't blame me. It's just the weather. I, I expect uh, completely the contrary because for the first time we are not doing this podcast at one in the morning <laughs> at my side and five in the morning at yours. So come on, you can look more upbeat. It's a Sunday morning, especially when we have a challenging topic on our hands because one country called Greece decided that it's time to go almost bankrupt, and it took about a couple of days for me to understand. what exactly has gone wrong with greece please tell us how did it all start and what's it all about well the story started somewhere in 1993 when the european union which today comprises of 27 countries was formed and the european mm-hmm. union today generates around 28% of the world's gdp so it's quite mm-hmm. a sizable block and the aim to form this union was basically to form a seamless market where there are no trade barriers and citizens can freely carry trade with each other and move freely across countries now right. 16 of these countries have formed what is called as the eurozone and they use a common currency called euro right and not everyone was invited to this party called eurozone and there were strict criterias that defined a member ca- country so the budget deficit mm-hmm. had to be less than 3% of their gdp a uh, debt ratio of less than 60% of the gdp low inflation and in interest rates that are close to the european union average so all these were entry criteria which basically specified good economic health of a country but however oh. once you become a member then if you violate these rules there is nothing to stop you from being a member Uh-huh. and yet they went into this because simply because it reduces their transaction cost and because you don't have to deal with multiple currencies and it brings a price stability to the region and develops a strong currency but the situation is a little precarious because if you are a member of a group and one member fails then the whole group gets affected and that's what has happened here in the case of Greece and that's why it's such a big international hmm. so biologically it's like uh, uh, a mango a bad mango can uh, screw up or mess up the entire lot of 10 mangoes that we had well. learned in our school days <laughs> so what so what happened with greece so why is it that suddenly it has got mounting debts and it has got hmm. enough money to to repay to different governments that now they are contemplating on whether to go bankrupt like iceland did sometime back so what 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 happened there So Greece which is one of the members of eurozone uh, it has a bu- budget deficit of almost around 12.9% which basically means that its expenses are far greater than its revenue so its mm. its tax evasions were high the public sector wages doubled in the past decade social security and pension wages added to the huge bill and when the recession came the government could not fund its expenses by tax revenues because of the fallen income and right. now greece which has borrowed heavily from the market like other every other country does in the form of securities and bonds and now they have to pay the interest on the debt and it's running out of cash to pay back that money so if greece defaults that would mean 
destabilizing the euro something that european union members cannot afford so they have mm. to come out and help greece and hence the euro countries have agreed to a 30 billion euros or 40 billion dollar of loan emergency loans to greece and even the imf which is the international monetary fund has pledged another 10 billion euros this is essential because these countries they will be giving loan to greek at 5% whereas the current market rate at which greek can get loan is around 7% so it will be cheaper mm-hmm. to them if they get it from these countries and in fact uh, since you mentioned that everybody is looking at germany which is uh, the the largest of the euro members so it's like oh dada in, in in a group you see you look up to somebody uh, so everyone's saying okay what are you going to do germany and uh, they are very unhappy with greek uh, with greece because we germans are they are known for you know uh, being very stingy and will live within their means it is what is the is what the perception is around the world and greece did exactly the opposite that's what uh, merkel or angel who's the chancellor of uh, germany she's saying yeah she's saying that look uh financial ineptitude by greece uh, profligacy spent trips it was a big mistake to get them in the union but you know if i don't bail out or if i don't put the money in it's going to bring the whole of uh, the european union down so they are contemplating and uh, as you said it will be far more cheaper for them to borrow from uh, countries like germany and also they are saying that this is uh, uh, something called as the greek sovereign debt crisis bole to put this up on investopedia it's a website where they they define economic terms and i was surprised there is there is something called as a doctrine of sovereign immunity which means that if you as a country are defaulting then the repayment of that default mm-hmm. uh, the creditors need not or should not be worrying about getting that money back why because it's your country and the the worst thing that can happen to it is uh, its credibility loss so creditors if you are there and if you uh, need that money you know what you'll have to wait until indefinite uh, time period so it doesn't say anything about when you will get the money back etc so the so worst thing that will happen now is they'll be asked to leave the eu that is the european union or just wait until they are bailed out and the thing about leaving the eu is that if uh, greece leaves EU, then there may be further casualties because it seems Spain's and Portugal's budget deficit is also very high, and they are now mm. uh, doing spending cuts, etc., to reduce their deficit. But still, it's high, and it it may just follow. Like after Greece, it could be Portugal, it could be Spain, and that would mean the end of the European Union, which obviously they they don't want to do that. They cannot afford to do that, including Germany. Yeah, yeah, including Germany, and and the other factor important here is that you know if Greece was not a part of the European Union, then what would have happened is that its currency would have been devalued. So because the budget deficit is so high and the country is not doing very well, so its currency would have become cheaper, which basically means that you get more tourists, your exports become cheaper, and your trade increases. but in mm. this case it's a double whammy because one because you all, you have such big budget deficit and you don't have money and second you cannot even devalue your currency so and to add to that you have credit rating agencies like standard and poor mm-hmm. who will basically tell it's like a report card where they tell you how good or bad the country is and they 
they put you as junk in the sense your your yeah. bonds or the country the report on the report card you you are given a c grade so nobody wants to deal with you that, that's true and in fact for a country which is going through such crisis like we see that you know we get economic stimulus and stuff like that and so oh. the economy increases greece cannot even afford that because if it takes uh, So because if it takes that bailout money from germany and uh, the european union and the imf then it has to follow their policies of decreasing its budget deficit to 3% in the next 2 years so and it has for mm-hmm. that it has to do a lot of uh, pay cuts and raise taxes etc which doesn't help the economy in fact there are a lot of protests in greece for this because people are losing their jobs especially in the public sector area and right so what's what's the current situation like what is it that uh, greece plans to do or if at all it is given a few opportunities or options yeah, at the moment so, yeah so the the current situation is that till last week greece had not actually gone out and asked for the bailout but now i think in the last week it has gone out and asked for the money so which mm. uh, which these countries will be providing and even germany has agreed to it but obviously on the basis of some policies that uh, greeks have to adhere to so and even germany is having an election now uh, this week so they they even they want to you know give a politically right answer to their public so people yeah to, so because they are not very happy with it right uh, yes. because these the germans they, there are newspapers which are the headlines read like this uh, how much more can we pump into greece why are we paying the luxury pensions of the greeks so none of the germans are happy I read one of the lines where someone said that why should uh, why should Germans work extra hour to pay for Greeks to retire early? So yeah, I mean that that kind of cultural issue and all that right. is definitely there. So and I don't know if you've seen that movie, The Big Fat Greek Wedding, but no, no. It, I'm sure you, it's a rom-com, so you might have not seen it. So yeah, but it's. <laughs> just like how it's the big fat indian wedding it's exactly like mm-hmm. that and you actually feel as if you're watching a bollywood movie and so it's like uh-huh. they have these big families and everybody is you know happy and merrily dancing and this and that so i guess that it's it's okay to do that when you have money but if you continue to do that <laughs> even when you don't have the money then that ends up in a problem like it has now or maybe like all indians do you do not uh, spend money on little things but you save enough on the big marriage day and spend them all in one one day yes. completely yes. you can do that yep yeah but uh, but you know on a more uh, slightly more serious note the countries like britain they they have about uh, 100 billion pounds of exposure to countries like greece portugal and spain exposure as in they have invested money in these countries mm. and the banks there so if one of the three or one of the few countries go down a few more go down and then other european countries like britain hmm. will also be affected so everyone's looking at germany at the moment ki bhai it's like the same old story uh, like you mentioned last time abu dhabi bailing out uh, dubai yes. uh, because dubai had done something which you know got them into trouble so something and, very and similar there, here too and there are a lot of german banks involved too to whom greece owes money so if greece goes down uh-huh. then it will be bad for the balance sheet of those german banks too <laughs> Yeah. yeah it's all it's very nice. very thrilling <laughs> yeah yeah it's that's true let's see entertaining stuff 
Okay, let's move on to some India-specific news now. And we have, and we did talk about Bajaj doing away with its scooter brands. So it seems <laughs> that Rajiv Bajaj, who is now the new CEO of the Bajaj Group and has taken over from his dad, Rahul Bajaj, so he has all these new plans for the Bajaj Group, which is not going very well with Rahul Bajaj. And it seems they are having a bit of family dispute. So one of them mm. was this uh, Bajaj scooter thing. And Rahul Bajaj said vocally that he did not really like the idea of uh, doing away with the scooters because he, st- he thinks that India still has a lot of demand for scooters. But mm-hmm. Rajiv Bajaj decided against it. And now the next thing is that uh, he has, Rajiv Bajaj has uh, announced that that the motorcycles from the Bajaj group, they they will do away with the Bajaj brand. So you will no longer have Bajaj Boxer or Bajaj Pulsar. It will be just Boxer or Pulsar. Yeah, Boxer, Pulsar, Discover. So it won't be, it's very, very, I don't know, a very weird call. Because, you know, in, in one, you see, it is Bajaj Pulsar, hmm. which is number one. Uh, and which is a pretty big deal when you have uh, companies like TVS and uh, Honda, which have been there for a long time. Yeah. So and it's got some 70% uh, market share and it aims to have a million units this year. So why not associate a brand name with the highest selling model? Mm-hmm. And uh, very interesting call from, from Rajiv Bajaj. In fact, in even in 125cc or the 100cc where uh, 70% of India's motorbikes are 100cc bikes. Mm-hmm. There also it is eating up into uh, the Honda, Hero Honda Splendor's share. Mm-hmm. So it's doing away with a band name at the time when it is peaking. Uh, so, yeah, but I don't know what logic, our... Is yeah, it? but his logic is that Bajaj is a much bigger brand. So, you have Bajaj hair oil and you have Bajaj electricals and you have... So, it doesn't go very well with automobiles. Yeah, but on the same lines, we have GE motors, we have GE engines, we have GE yeah. telephones, GE finance. So, there are people who are making reliance is another example. He's also going to going into three wheelers, four wheelers. Uh, yeah, they're expanding, but quite a call not to associate one's brand with its products. Yeah. Or probably there is something more to this that I'm missing completely. Probably I think that the Pulsar brand and the Boxer brand or Discoverer brand they are much bigger than Bajaj. Probably they would have done a survey which said that uh, you know people actually recognize Pulsar as Pulsar and not really as Bajaj Pulsar. <laughs> So it's okay yes. to do away with Bajaj. Could be that. Yes. You know, when somebody listens to you say that, the people know that you've done your MBA. <laughs> they must have, yeah. the brand getting bigger than the main brand and all of it. Yes, they must have done their homework for sure. Yeah, I'm sure he must yes. have hired some big short consultant to do that and they have come up with this idea. And obviously Rahul Bajaj is probably, uh, he belongs to the old school of management. He doesn't agree with the new consultants who are coming and taking over his company. Oh, so. even, even, Rahul, even Rahul Bajaj has got a degree from Harvard Business School. Oh, I'm yes. not sure if I'll agree to all of that, yes. Yeah, but, but apparently but, he's not too happy about Bajaj's alliance with Nissan Renault also to produce that uh, car. So. Right. Yeah. World of alliances. And talking about yeah, alliances, the... Uh, family controversy, that's true. And Alliance, you spoke about Alliance. There is uh, uh, Kawasaki who has uh, tied up with Bajaj or has been there with them for a long time. Uh, it has launched its uh, subsidiary India Kawasaki Motors and it will have its plant in Chakhan, that is at Pune. Mm-hmm. And it has invested a million dollars to 
produce its uh, 250cc bike which has already been launched and doing well and uh, we'll be investing a bit more to produce 650cc bikes as well mm-hmm. so yeah, basically bajaj is in every category now yes. 125cc 100cc 150 and uh, the power bikes where you have uh, charisma or the harley davidson but obviously harley davidson is another class and niche audience but yes it's there in every category that uh, the bikes are in right now see, see now that's the topic which will completely shut me up because i have no idea <laughs> about what cc bikes are there in the market so yeah. we will have to get gulpanan for that no we did get her <laughs> to talk about bikes it's it's great you know when when women talk about bikes it seems interesting i'll, I'll keep it at that <laughs> <laughs> yeah that too so what else do we have yeah, do we have anything more Yeah we have uh, well we have that air travel in India may get cheaper because uh, our finance minister Pranab Mukherjee has announced a host of tax breaks for houses for urban poor slum redevelopment new hospitals and vocational training institutes and also the air industry so i guess the air industry will be relieved because they have suffered a lot of losses during this whole fly ash thing where you could not fly mm. So, little bit uh, fly ash might not have hurt uh, all the indian carriers but generally the indian aviation industry is such that it hasn't earned enough in all these years yeah, so from that perspective generally the aviation industry is such that it keeps going through all these rough patches all the time so i've i've hardly yeah. ever you know talked about that oh the aviation industry is doing so good and the shares <laughs> aren't doing that good it's always that it's not yeah. that good Yeah. So, so coming back, uh, well, uh, the finance minister has said that the service tax on domestic air travel will be limited to rupees hundred per ticket, and on international mm-hmm. travel, it would be rupees five hundred. So, I think its service tax is twelve percent right now. So, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if it's calculated on the total price or just on the base price, and how much does it come to right now? Because I think the nominal price of a domestic air ticket would be somewhere around four. Four thousand. So, mm-hmm. if you take twelve percent of that, somewhere somewhere between four hundred to five hundred, and if that right. reduced to hundred, then I think that's a great deal. And talking about that, it's a it's, it's it's a good segue to talk about our sponsor, Make My Trip, wherein if you're flying flying to India or flying anywhere in India, all you need to do is please go on to makemytrip.theindicast.com and avail of the discounts there. uh and because all of the content that you get on indicast is free so it will be nice if you can book your tickets through makemytrip.theindicast.com instead of going directly on their site you will obviously be directed there and uh, you'll get the tickets at the same prices and i understand ritika that you're traveling to india very soon so yes, you know I what to do booked, yes and i've already booked my tickets and they are through make my trip and uh, i've also booked my domestic tickets and if you are booking international tickets then you are getting a domestic ticket for free So coming back to our topics, uh, one of the other government initiatives is about increasing the foreign direct investment, the FDI, in multi-brand retail and in other sectors. Mm-hmm. Well, retail is my favorite topic, obviously being a girl, so I can go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> FDI in retail and why it is so important. Yeah. So you need more brands. Please go ahead. India. <laughs> yes, you yes, really need. <laughs> Yeah, but my my real question is that what's so new about this? I mean, it has been it has been going on since ages. I remember during our MBA days, which seems like eons ago. I I think it's almost five <laughs> years back, right? And right, right. I, 
I had attended this group discussion about FDI and multi-brand retail and things remain exactly the same. And I won't be surprised if five years down the line, we are discussing the same thing in our 145th episode. <laughs> Though I wonder if we will ever cross 100 with the speed which we record. But <laughs> Yeah, that's true. But yeah, you're right. I mean, the FDI and retail has been, the industry is what they call the retail. Obviously, there are far more retail malls in the country, but uh, yeah. the FDI in retail, how much? How much percentage is it? It's uh, it's zero percent for multi-brand retail. So basically, multi-brand uh, retail means your used department stores like Shopstop, Pantaloon, Big Bazaar, food grocery stores, furniture stores, and currently uh-huh. in India, there is no FDI allowed in those except in single-brand retail, which is fifty-one percent. And which was opened in 2006. So like your standalone mm-hmm. Nike or Adidas stores or any such branded stores. And um, it's 100% in the cash and carry format, like a Metro or a Costco. Now, I remember right. that government had allowed FDI in cash and carry format some five, around five years back. And we saw the opening of uh, German store Metro in Bangalore and Mumbai. And cash and carry is like a wholesaler's market. So anything you buy from there would be in wholesale quantities. And sometimes individuals are not even allowed to buy from there. So I believe in Metro, you need to have a retailer's card that you own a shop or hotel or some business while purchasing. Yes. So because because yes, people in a colony used to, you know, group together and go and buy stuff in bulk, you know, normal Indian thing to do. Yes. <laughs> I, I remember you saying that. Yeah, but, getting all the renovations of the whole, whole of the building and going there and buying it in bulk. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but but in chains like Costco in US and even in Australia, it has opened recently. Anyone can uh, go and buy from Costco, but you need to have a membership card which comes for around sixty dollars, and then you can mm. buy wholesale stuff from there. And but it, it's it's cheap, but it's hardly useful for people like us. I mean, for two people, how much you need to buy in wholesale? <laughs> But people do buy and, yes. and I remember that Costco was opened, I think, just last year and in Melbourne. And it seems they have done much beyond their expectations and plan to open their next store soon. So, so much for the session. Uh, but, you know, when we talk about FDI in India, the benchmark is so low. I remember, again, back in 2005 during our college days, Apna, China had reached about $83 billion yeah. of FDI. Today, we boast about 33 billion. That's not even the, that's less than Warren Buffett's earnings of his lifetime. Yes, 33 billion for India. Nah. Yes, and, and the UPA government has been extremely slow in opening up the FDI. In its last term, it was obviously binded by left, which raised every chair in the parliament upon listening about <laughs> FDI. And you could actually see yeah. coming out of their ears. But <laughs> but this term they have lesser restrictions, but they haven't really done much about it. The insurance sector still stands at 26%, and though it's a very sensitive sector, it's still a sector which demands a big investment because it's an extremely underdeveloped uh, industry in India. And it's very important that it grows if we want uh, to be seen as uh, a country with strong financial system. And I, mm. just, I mean, I just heard from my boss the other day that she wants to insure her wedding ring. So, in in Western societies, you insure everything from your pet dog to your wedding ring, and and not many of us in India even have a life insurance. Oh, so <laughs> interesting. Of course, the people who are Lata Mangeshkar of the world insure their yeah. throats. 
and everything but yes we we don't yeah you know. has insured him but so oh. <laughs> I should be knowing that, yeah. not you, but yeah, exactly. that's, that's a good trip. <laughs> yeah, I should be, I should be knowing if John Abraham has uh, insured his, but I don't think he has, anyways. But yeah, yeah. And and I remember. And ladies and gentlemen, suddenly it becomes a page three business <laughs> podcast. Enjoy yourself once in a while. But when you took that huge call back in ninety one, ninety two, in spite of all the problems that India faced, you are still balking at opening up the sector for people to invest in India. Yeah, I remember during elections, opening up FDI in detail was was one of the UPA's agendas. So hope they do deliver on it. And it's not easy though, because firstly it's a coalition, so you have to kind of take everyone mm. along with you. And it's easy for <laughs> us to say that government cut deals with MPs to vote for them and cut motions, etc. But what else can one do? And the parliamentary mm. structure is so fragmented. And secondly, you have a strong Indian lobby, like owners of Pantaloon, Kishore Bayani, or the owners of Shopstop, etc. Now, these people also oppose the FDI because it will harm their business. And yeah. then, of course, you have the small retailers who say they will perish. And even today, when Walmart opens in any locality, there are protests because it seems it takes away livelihood of more people than the number of jobs it provides. Hmm. But on the other hand, if you see, then it benefits the farmers because these big retailers they directly source from them and have deals with them, and the farmers get a fairer price. So it's a given. You are you are like you know what you remind me of that uh, example that about economics okay. teacher has given. Right? <laughs> there's always an other yes. hand. <laughs> yes, there's always the other hand. Yeah, so on one hand, this because too. when you when you read both the views, then you're like, yeah, this view is correct, and then you say, like, yeah, even this person is correct. So it's so <laughs> difficult to take a stand. And thankfully yeah. for us, you know, we just have to talk. We don't have to make policy decisions sitting in the government. So it's. That's what that's what that's what Franklin uh, Roosevelt had said, right? I think I'm guilty of repeating this, but he had said that okay, give me an economist with one hand, give me somebody who will tell me what to do instead of saying, you know, ये भी अच्छा है, ये भी अच्छा है, आप बोलो आपको क्या करना है? Exactly. काम वो confusing. So well, it's not an easy decision in a democracy like India, where a substantial amount of population is still struggling to survive. And yes, true. We can go on and on with this because it's it's a It's a topic which is opinionated, and we don't have to take decisions. Nothing like it. So, well, that's about it from this episode of uh, Busy Nation. Thando Dakko Rokro. Please go log on to theindicast.com and leave your comments there. You can follow us on uh, Facebook. You can uh, join the group Indicast Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Abhishek Kumar with a single K, and Ritika, you are at Ritika one seven zero seven. Yes, please do that, and uh, also uh, do subscribe uh, daily feed. of uh, news that is uh, whatsapp india you can go type in indicast on itunes and uh, you can get whatsapp india where we cover the top stories of the day every day and uh, one last request is if you can go to itunes and uh, you can put in a word or review us in the sense you can say good or bad things about us it will help if you say good things because it helps in the page rank and all of it so it will be nice that's about it bye bye